you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 523 now of the Ron and Don Show. And oh, yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, new study out. Guess what? Yeah, money can buy you happiness. Uh Uh, How about that? Also, before we get to that, let's talk about this because this is really interesting. There's a new 85-year study that's just been concluded by our good friends at Harvard. So it must be good because they're so smart there. Such smarty Anyway, you're not going to believe what they say about happiness and how it relates to your retirement. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron's over here. Just got back from Florida. You're down there doing a lot of things. I know you're checking on your parents. I know you were going to a really cool wedding, and you're jumping in the water, and uh, you're doing some uh, you're doing some uh, diving as well, too, right? Yeah, it was it was a great trip, and we can talk about whichever ones you want to. But um, I was just thinking, since you and I went through our scuba diving uh, journey, not really together, but simultaneously, it was sort of happenstance that we both picked it up the same year. Uh, one of my biggest regrets, I probably yours as well, is I wish we would have done sooner. Like, I've been to so many places where I could have gone on a dive, and it just wasn't in my skill set at that time. And so last year, uh, me and our buddy Charles and his son and my friend Michael, we all uh, did the pool training and the classroom training, and then we went to, to Costa Rica to get certified. And so this was probably nine months ago, eight, nine months ago. And I had planned one other dive. I was going to do another dive trip and it coincided with when my dad had a heart surgery. And so I canceled that trip, went down to uh, Florida and spent time with him uh, in his recovery. So I wasn't able to do that trip. So this time around, I was like, you know what? I just, I need to get a dive in. And so (laughs) I, I was talking to this guy, on Marco Island, which is on the Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast side of Florida. And it was like, Hey, can I do a dive on this day? And he's like, well, we've had a red tide lately. And then the, the after Hurricane Ian stuff sort of got really swirled up. And so he's like, visibility. We go back and forth, back and forth. Finally, he's like, Hey, we can do a dive. We're going to do a dive on Friday. He's like, you want, you want a slot? I'm like, I'm in. So we go in. And so Thursday night, I was thinking. And I and I had reviewed a little bit, had my little Patty dive book with me. I was like, I should probably watch a refresher video. Like it's been nine months, mm. and it's like there was a lot of stuff here. What is a puffer? What does a puffer fish right, look what's like? What's a puffer fish look like? Where am I supposed to smack a shark if he comes up and he gets a little too curious? Exactly, is, is smacking him on the nose really uh, the bulletproof thing to do. So I go to the YouTube's. I find the like a basic scuba refresher is 38 minutes long and i'm watching i was like oh yeah that thing and that thing and that like for the whole video like right 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 the regular so i'm like going through and it's like it's kind of coming back to me and kind of like wow i forgot a lot of this you like, don't and, and and i'll tell you what we, what you don't want to do is jump off a boat you haven't inflated your buoyancy you have a full tank on your back you have weights in your belt 
And if you jump in the water and you and you haven't activated your bladder, which let's say you haven't been diving in a while and you might do something like that, and you're supposed to be on a you're supposed to have a dive buddy and your dive buddy supposed to check that. But I have had dreams of jumping off a boat and going right to the effing bottom <laughs> and, and going, oh, my God, I forgot to inflate my buoyancy and then trying to get back to the top. That That is the panic that I always think about. And so. so I did the whole thing. I, I went in and met my dive master, John, and I told him, I was like, hey, I haven't dove since my last dive was months ago. And he's like, okay. So we sorted it a little refresher course. He went over all the gear with me. Uh, we, we get out onto the boat and then I was thinking that they were going to do another sort of recap because there was a, a doctor from Boston and she was getting certified. Oh, And so I was like, Oh, we're probably going to do like a little preamble because Dr. Kate, you know, she's doing that. And that'll be good for me. Or my like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean, all right, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we started, people started getting off the boat, like doing the, the, the lunge uh, entry into the, you know, putting your hand over your mask. So I get all geared up. I check all my stuff. I have the dive master check me. Then I go off the, the back end of the boat. And I was uh, the, about the first five to 10 minutes of this dive. I was like, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> I was like, this is not going well. Uh, I have forgotten everything I've learned. Uh, you know, I was a little bit panicky the first time that I dove. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to die. This is, I need, I just need to go to the top and tap out and say, you know, I, I, I'm not ready. I need to go back to, you know, diving school. And so then I, I kind of settled down. I, I stopped the, you, you still, this boat with that, an anchor down to the bottom in the, in the, in the Florida, off the coast of Florida. And so I just sort of grabbed onto the anchor rope and I just settled down. Like I did my breathing. I checked my computer. I, you know, I went through all the, the you know, my buoyancy and I, you know, inflated a little bit, deflated a little bit, you know, cleared, you know, did my breathing and all that stuff. Mask was looking great. And, uh, and so I was like, all right. I think I got this. And so dive master came over and asked me if I was okay. You know, gave me the okay sign. I said it was okay. And then he pointed down, you know, like, we're going down to the bottom now. And so I went down to the bottom, you know, so about 10, 15 minutes in, I kind of relaxed. Where are you we, guys diving? We were diving uh, off of Marco Island. And our first one was this. Uh, Florida. In Florida. Yeah. And so the first one was called the Wow Stop. Cool. And the second one was called Outlaw. And they, they take a lot of, when they're doing bridge construction and stuff, they take those giant cement pilings wow. and they allow them to dump them and create habitats wow. uh, off the Gulf Coast side. So there's these huge cement pilings that then get covered with coral that I stuck my hand into, which is dumb. And I no. cut my hand up. But um, I guess it was interesting to be like, a total beginner again. How did Kate do? Uh, Dr. Kate, Kate was great. She yeah. passed. Yeah. Uh, she's certified now. And, and Are she, you uncertified now? Yeah, they should have uncertified me. <laughs> Ron came up and they said, give us your credit card back. But, yeah, but like my neutral buoyancy was jacked. Like he's like, dude, you got to work on your buoyancy, man. You were all over the map. Yeah. And so, and he's like, dude, so he gave me some tips. Do you weigh, do you weigh differently than when you were diving in Costa Rica? Because usually in your book, You'll write down the. Do you have? Did you have the amount of weight that you need? Written I don't down think in your I book? had it. I, I didn't even that, check that. Because if you don't have your weight figured out on yeah. your weight belt, and, you, and let's say that you've lost ten pounds or, or gained ten pounds, it's a it, that, that can be a mess. So sure. um, I really want to do a dive with you now. Yeah. 
I think that it would be fun to be dive buddies down Gun- there. Gunner and I want to go diving in the fall. So if you'd like to go diving in the fall. I'd love to go diving in the fall, but yeah. I, I need to do it more frequently. Waiting nine months between dives is not yeah, giving me He's going to do a refresher course this summer, and then and then we're going to plan. A, in, in, in fact, we'll uh, you and I will get together away from these microphones, and we'll, we'll plan. Well, let's plan one, but it, boy. We'll plan and go do it. That so. first five what, minutes. What did you see down there? Uh, the visibility wasn't great because they are having a red tide, and they yeah. the the our our boat driver um, was like, man, the the Ian Hurricane Ian, which hit right there, mm. uh, or you know maybe forty miles north, it said it, it churned up so much of the ground. When was that hurricane? Hurricane was last. What was it? Maybe four months ago. Yeah. And he said, but what it did is it took a lot of this silt and stuff inside the hurricane, and it dumped it into the middle of the state. And so then wow. every time it rains, we get all of that stuff because coming back into the Gulf. Wow. So he's like, it's just been, he goes, it's not, and they, and they told me that. They're like, hey, the visibility's not great. Yeah. And I was like, I, I get it. Uh, I still want to, you know, get my dives in. And so really you could only see about 15, 20 feet. So a big grouper, like a grouper fish is, you know, maybe a, a 36 inch, maybe four foot grouper. Cool. They're really big. Saw some some decent, you know, schools of zebra fish and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then a couple of these big cement pilings that they're turning into fish habitat were interesting. One of them looked like a giant, almost like a jet engine. It was a round, mm. a, like a six foot round piece of cement with another dome kind of thing in the middle. It looked yeah. like a big jet engine. And like all the fish were loving getting inside of there. What size tank did you use? One eighteen. Uh, you know my oxygen tank. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know what size tank it was. Is that we had forty five minutes of air down there. <laughs> I go with the big tank. It seems like you would need a big tank too. I, I am a bit of a heavy breather. <laughs> I, I, I suck down some oxygen because I, yeah. I get nervous. Yeah. Well, let's put a bow around it. Uh, Ron DeSantis. I finally heard him speak the other day. Like a lot of times, they just show him, but you never hear him speak. And then they show Trump speaking. I thought it was interesting, and I, I can I can see why there's people uh, in Florida, e- even though I don't agree with his politics. I I understand. I think maybe why people gravitate towards him. He said something the other day that I thought was re- really interesting. He said, "You know, with me, you don't get a lot of drama. We just have a lot of policy. We try to listen to people, and then we go out and and whatever we've decided the policy is going to be, we go out and try to enact that policy." So I know there's 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 lots of things out there that he's doing that he's done that I don't agree with, uh, but I have to say it was kind of refreshing. To hear from somebody that wasn't calling somebody else name. So, do you feel that when you're? Did you do you feel his presence or or his likability when you're in Florida? Uh, Florida, it's such a it's a it's a very different culture than than. Uh, it's all Seattle. the Midwest people that vacation yeah. down there, and then especially if you're in the Panhandle and all the way down to Naples, that that is very affected by people that have ended up retiring down there, and then from Naples as you go south, uh, it it. In, in in some places, it feels like you could be in it, Cuba. It's, it's so. almost like three different countries yes. there because you have you know Miami and the Keys, which is hyper liberal. Right. Uh, when you get to you know Orlando and Northern, like the Panhandle yeah. and Jacksonville and that sort of stuff, it, you might as well be in two different countries. You might as well be in Indiana because exactly. that's, that's where you are. All right. See you guys on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, we just want to take a moment to thank everyone that got their Ron and Don sit-down mug and their Ron and Don coffee pot in 2022, and here we come in 2023. 
what I mean by that, whenever we sit down with somebody, we give them a camp mug that says Ron and Don. I, I sat down with Ron and Don. And then after we've done a transaction where maybe we bought a piece of real estate together, or we have sold a piece of real estate or invested in a piece of real estate, then around this time of year, we send them the coffee pot that says Ron and Don on it too. That way we can't be forgotten. That's correct. If you want to sit down with us and talk about your real estate journey, it's pretty simple. It takes 30 to 45 minutes. It's absolutely free to do it. And let's find out together if we would be a good team in 2023 to work toward whatever it is on your real estate quest. Yeah, there's two ways you can do this. They're both very easy. One is you can just email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. Just say, hey, Ron, uh, I heard you guys talking about the sit down. What do I need to do? Second thing is you can go to ronanddonsitdown.com, poke around the website a little bit, read up a little bit on uh, what people are saying about us, what our reviews are, what uh, more information there is, and you can schedule a sit down right there. Just hit the schedule a sit down button. All right. We'll see you guys at the sit down. And believe me, when you see us in person, yeah, we're as scary as we sound. <laughs> now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show, something that a lot of you in our audience probably think about, because it's interesting when you look at the demographics of the people that follow us on social media, the people that listen to us on Cairo for years. There's a lot of people between, you know, the ages of 35, specifically 45 to kind of 75 that listen to the show. So people that are contemplating retirement, people that are contemplating their next act, people that are contemplating what am I going to do? Where am I going to live? Uh, what does that look like? Am I going to live in shared living somewhere or shared living space? What if I have a partner and they need memory care down the road? Or what if I have a partner uh, that needs maybe different types of care that I don't need? Or maybe I just want to go live on a farm somewhere. Just kind of it. It kind of depends. A lot of us are thinking about these things. I have a lot of friends that are firefighters and police officers, and many of them know. They know when they retire, if they've done 30 years as a police officer or firefighter and you retire, your chances of dying in the first five years of your retirement, if you don't get out and discover another life outside of the adrenaline that you get being the boredom that you get being a police officer and being a firefighter, it is exponential. It is a stone cold killer, especially for men. When they get on the other side of this, we had a little fire at one of my cottages the other day that I've shared with you. And I was talking with one of the firefighters there and he is just getting ready to retire. And he talked about the fact that one of the things that he loves to do is he loves to grow organic produce. And on his days off, he will go to different markets and he sells this organic produce along with selling their organic produce. Not only is it helpful financially for his family, but it also gives him something to do. He's out in the dirt and he sees a life beyond being a firefighter, even though he loves it. And he's like, man, if I could do this another 30 years, such a fun job meeting people like you. A lot of times you meet people on their worst day and you try to turn it around and see if you can make it a great day uh, uh, for them. So I was really touched in having a conversation with another friend of mine who's an investigator and she'll be on 30 years with SPD. She talked about the same thing of what is it that I am going to do, but not only what am I going to do, but who am I going to do it with? And the words that they don't use is they don't use retirement. They use the word transition. 
And Ron, there's some new research coming out of Harvard, this 85-year study on retirement and happy and, and being happy and happiness. It's really important for people to listen to this because sometimes retirement can be deadly, can it? Yeah, this is one of the most fascinating studies I've ever heard about. They just started 85 years ago. And if you think of the culture and the society 85 years ago to even have this vision, they said, we're going to pick a bunch of people and just follow their lives. And so they just started following their life open-ended. And they're like, we're going to measure anything we can measure from this. We're going to try to learn as much as we can. So they, they looked at everything from health to disease to diets to income to race to marriage to divorce to children, on and on and on. And so now they're getting around to studying happiness and retirement. And the, this study just sort of grows and mushrooms out as new faculty comes in and and works on it and they just keep keep it going keep it and going a, and as people get older as yeah, well yeah people get older and, and pass away and they study they you know so the the health people are breaking down other data than the happiness people so the the latest batch that came out was around happiness and retirement and they said the number one thing that they found which is sort of captain obvious but no one ever talks about it is that you miss the people that you liked at work and the, you, and you don't miss the work. You don't miss the work. Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos said this the other day, and he, and it's true. He said a lot of times I don't miss the work, but I miss the people that were around me when I was working. And he said I think a lot of people feel that way. I think that's I, true. That's the biggest thing that I felt when we got fired from Cairo is I really enjoyed. And the way I always explain it to people, I really enjoyed. If I saw a movie that I liked, my next cubicle over was a nationally award winning film critic, Tom Tangney. If there was a, the Seahawks game that I had a question about, we had multiple previous NFL players in the building. She could run into Wyman and say, dude, I was watching. Can you explain to me this play or whatever? And you could chat with them or, Hey, what would you have done against a quarterback like Pat Mahomes? And you're sat, you're literally at, by the kitchen. There was a water fountain there, but like you're kind of just chatting it up. If there was something on politics, you could talk to Dave Ross or you could talk to Michael Medved or you could talk to really smart people. You go to a restaurant, you get Rachel Bell was right there, uh, who has a James Beard nominated, you know, food podcast. So like you had access or we had access to just interesting people. Yeah. You could riff with John Curley for five, 10 minutes. Dory Monson, uh, may you rest in peace would be there. And you could talk to Dory about a basketball game rest that you peace. saw or, or, or what have you. So th- I miss, I, I still miss that, mm. uh, because that was the thing that you, and then every once in a while, maybe once every, you know, 60 days or so, a breaking news story would happen and everybody would go to their stations and like, that's what you were geared to do. Uh, you know, there's so many times on the air, we, you know, we were on the air when the, you know, that helicopter crashed by the space needle. We were on the air when the, the Boston Marathon bomber was, you know, in hot pursuit and we would cover those things live. We were on the air uh, during, you know, all kinds of situations where I still remember the one day when there was a huge power outage during a winter storm where you and I, there was a, an, an older woman trapped in her garage. There was no power. She didn't know how the garage door opener worked. She was afraid she, she lived alone and she called Ron and Don and we talked her through how to open her garage door so she could get out of the house uh, and to get her car away to get to somewhere warm. And so just stories like that. So you miss that. That's what I miss. And so this study talks about, you know, anticipating that 
and saying what that's one of the reasons that I, I play poker is you get around a group of guys where you have a shared activity and you can hang out with them and there's there's always a game somewhere. Yeah, this this said though, even if you're going to do another job in retirement and feel purpose from that, that's important, but it's not all of it. It really is about the people that you're going to be around why you're doing that job or why you're volunteering, right? So. And, and there's a subset in there that I found very interesting. There's a subset of people, and I think it's mostly men, that enjoy working. Yeah. Like they enjoy the structure of work. Uh, and I think especially if you were someone like, if you were like a Boeing machinist type of person where it's like you knew your task every day, you knew your hours every day, you're good at what you do, um, that they they – need in a sense that that they need that structure and they enjoyed ending the day and going you know what i i made part of an airplane today and like i can go over and touch it and pick it up and when that thing i, I have a buddy that's uh you and i both have a buddy that, that's a boeing guy he looks up the planes that he built if he when he goes on a trip somewhere he looks up the tail number and he's like i built this plane and so he has a sense of pride when if they're flying him and his wife are flying on a trip somewhere, he tries to book the flight on a plane that he made. Yeah. And so he gets a real and and he's done stuff where he'll see the captain and he's like, "Hey, I made this plane. Can I come up on the flight deck?" And the the uh they'll go, "Sure." Yeah. Like he sat on the flight deck and like explained what he did on that plane and it's meaningful to him. And it's meaningful, obviously, to the pilot because he's flying the plane. Yeah, and I think for men, because lots of men die of coronary heart disease, they die of heart attacks, so they die suddenly. So there's not a lot of time to plan. You you really need to go through your shiznit. You need to go through your stuff. And I say this all the time. One, one, one of the most heartbreaking things I see are women that are left behind. Women typically live seven years longer than men do. Uh, women that are left behind that are stuck with all your stuff. And now they have to go through it. And it's heartbreaking for them to have to go through it. Uh, I was listening to a podcast that Ron turned me on to the other day. Is is this all there is? Is that all there is? It's Anderson Cooper. His mother was Gloria Vanderbilt. And he... All it, there is, I believe it's called. All there is, yeah. And he is going through her stuff. And as he's going through her stuff that she left behind, there's another pile of stuff that he has to go through in another apartment that's all his dad's stuff because his dad knew he was dying, never went through it. His mom didn't have the heart to go through it. And so now Anderson is a new dad and has two babies and all that. Now, simultaneously, after his mother's death, he is having to go through all of his mother's stuff and dad's stuff. And I don't mean there shouldn't be things that you leave behind and everything has to be gone. But I'm even looking in some closets right now that that I need to probably spend some time going through uh, this week or next because nobody else should have to look, look at that closet, Ron. Nobody else should have to go through that closet. That printer's so, from like 1983. <laughs> Why do you still have is that? Is that all there is? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Back to 60. Three, two, one, buy down. What the hell does that mean? Uh, Mitch is here from Mitch.loans. What is a three, two, one buy down? Because when the market was going crazy these past couple of years and there weren't enough homes for all the buyers and money was cheap, I didn't hear of a three, two, one buy down. What is that? Yeah, and investors are definitely bringing it back. And you hear me say all the time, your rate is not your rate. There's room to negotiate. And now with sellers being in a little bit of a panic, 
they can actually give you money to buy down your rate. They can do it up front or they can do a buy down. And a 3-2-1 buy down means that you get a rate of 3% less than the market rate for a year, 2% less for another year, 1% less for another year. And it's the year four that you finally actually start paying the current rate. And if you refi out, you actually get all of that prepaid interest refunded back to you. So there's no risk. If rates drop in the next year, you get all that money back. You didn't waste that money. Yeah. So you hear everyone say all the time, date the rate, marry the property. That's how you do it with a three, two, one. Buy down from Mitch.loans. Reach out to him today. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. It's interesting. I follow a young man who is on Instagram. And what he does is he pulls his phone out of his pocket and he just walks up to people and he'll walk up to people in retirement communities and he'll ask really interesting questions like he'll ask them how old they are and someone will say I'm 72. And then he'll ask them a question. What would a 22 or a 32, let's say at 72, you were going to talk to that younger version of yourself, what would you say? to the 22-year-old or the 32-year-old? That's one of the questions. The other thing that he'll ask is for people that are successful in business. What are some of the things that you learned in business? What are some of the things that you have done to make sure that you're financially free? And then he'll ask questions about money and does money make you happy? It's really interesting when you when you listen to older people. A lot of them, a lot of them will say, there's, there's a common theme. Number one, I cared way too much about what other people thought about me. I cared way too much. And think about this. These are people that are older now that didn't grow up in the age of social media. Uh, And so think about how our phones and screens have become mirrors about how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about others, right? Things that are written about other people or pictures uh, that have been posted. And sometimes we'll see a life that we wish we lived and, and we end up feeling bad about ourselves. But guess what? The, the people that are posting that stuff, they're not living all that most of the time anyway. And it's just, it's, it's just they, they post a lot of times during, during the good times and not the bad. And I think that's why uh, there's a social media app out there right now that just talks about being real. I think it's called Be Real. And it's like, hey, let's just, let's be real about, you know, let's be real about our lives here. But, but, it's interesting. Number one, a lot of them say, I shouldn't worry and I shouldn't have worried and don't worry about what other people think about you. Number two, you should travel more. You should travel more. Go do it. When you're thinking about going somewhere, go. Just go. Find a way and go. Don't save up this big pot of gold because a lot of times at the end of the rainbow, you're dead. And you don't get to spend any of it or you get to spend a portion of it. And then you're taking that portion and you're, you're giving that to other people when really you could have used that to fuel a life of travel and curiosity. The other thing that they say is buy a piece of real estate. It's the best investment that I've ever made. Buy a piece of real estate because your years are leverage. And what happens, and they all talked about, whether they were ahead of a Fortune 500 company or they're a mom at home, they all talked about the fact that when they bought a piece of real estate when they were younger, the impact that it had when they were, nobody, nobody, and I've listened to hundreds of interviews, said, you know what, I really effed up when I was 25 and I bought a piece of real estate. 
Nobody says that. Nobody does. What they do say is I bought a piece of real estate and this is what happened to that piece of real estate over time. And that's why I'm able to, and then just fill in the blanks. And then we fast forward to money. I think about this. I think about different cities that Ron and I lived in. And when we got fired by these radio stations, and a lot of times we had very good ratings. And it, it, it wasn't us personally. It was the fact that we, we entered radio at a time when there was a lot of consolidation going on, where a lot of mom and pops were selling off and they were making a lot of money and they were selling off to the big clear channels and the Viacoms and the Citadels and the Susquehannas, and it goes on and on and on. And what happened is with a lot of these companies, when they were consolidating, they're like, wow, we have too much talent. It's expensive talent. We're going to get rid of some of that talent. And then what we're going to do is we're going to put talent on syndication. So instead of having one host and 300 studios around the country, uh, we're, or I'm sorry, instead of having 300 hosts and 300 studios around the country, we're going to have one host, a guy like Rush Limbaugh, we'll pay him a lot of money, but we'll have that one host on 300 radio stations around the country. And that's where we entered radio. And so what would happen is we were in Phoenix and the next thing you know, our station got sold and we got consolidated. So we ended up getting fired and had to go to Dallas. We were in Dallas, a similar thing happened. In fact, Viacom and CBS, they sold off all their radio stations and they kept the top 25. And now they're trying to sell uh, some of those off today. We worked at Bonneville, uh, Seattle, which Cairo is owned by Bonneville, Seattle. They would love to sell those radio stations right now because they've lost so much money with those, but they're just kind of stuck in radio as podcasts and other things have begun to really take over. And there's a lot of good broadcasting out there that we're hearing uh, that you don't hear on the AM FM band. You just don't. A lot of that talent has gone uh, other places. So with that, with, with, with that, and with the fact that, well, when we look at where we're at today, the, the hard thing was when, when, when we were fired in Dallas, I had one check coming in. And that was from the radio station. Uh, and so I had no choice and I had to move. When I was in Phoenix, I had one check coming in and that was from the radio station. And so I had to move because a lot of times in those cities, it's very difficult to get another job doing the same thing because there's someone across town that has that job. Very, very difficult jobs to do. And, and, and so what I learned, and, and, and now we fast forward to what happened at Cairo, what happened at Cairo when I immediately got a call from Boston and said, Hey, do you want Ron? Do you and Ron want to come to Boston? It's like, well, let me think about it, but I don't have to go to Boston. Or when someone at Cairo called me back and said, Hey, would you want to come back here and work here? It's like, eh, no, I wouldn't. Or when Como called us and they took us to lunch one day, would you guys want to work here? Like, I don't know if we want to work on the AM band, but we're going to be FM. Now we're AM and it's like, I don't know if I want to show up to a building every day and have to report to someone and do what they say. Because I'm loving the fact that I have this lifestyle now where Ron and I get to build this business, our podcast business, our real estate business, our Airbnb business. And then I just get to be a dad. In fact, I, I found out I'm going to be a coach of, of my son's team today. And I'll, I'll, I'll share that on another podcast. All that to say, it's because I have other checks coming in from other places. Many of those checks are connected to real estate. And so the important thing for me when people ask, and they just did a study on this, 
Can, can money buy you happiness? I have to say, the security that I have from those checks coming in, I don't know that it buys me happiness. But what it does do is it buys me security, the kind of security I've never felt as a little boy growing up in my family that was batshit crazy, just crazy, right? And we never, we never had financial stability, ever. And then even as I've grown older, trying to find a way that I could be financially stable. And then on top of that, on top of that, then what that does is that allows you to do what Ron just did, to jump on a plane, to go travel, to be curious, to go diving. Those are the kind of things that do make me happy. And I know they make Ron happy. What say you about money being able to buy you happiness? I love the fact that money and different checks from different places, and a lot of that's tied to real estate, it does buy stability, and that stability is an on-ramp for me on the, on, the, on the road to happiness. How about you? Yeah, this is an update to that story, the study that supposedly came out, I don't know, it was five, six years ago, that said, hey, money matters up to 70 grand a year, and then after that, uh, it doesn't make you any happier. Uh, and that became, in fact, that was huge news here in Seattle. And uh, there was a guy, a CEO that like made everybody's salary 70 grand after that and a bunch of stuff. You can go read that well, story if you want to find it. Yeah, <laughs> but they've updated it now. So that study was done by Danny Kahneman, who's won a Nobel Prize and is sort of uh, the behavioral economics guru. And so everyone kind of took it as, as gospel. It's like, well, if Danny Kahneman did it, that's got to be true. Another person did more research on it and he went back to Danny. He's like, hey, I'm getting some different results. Do you want to reopen this? And Danny, being an open-minded guy, was like, sure. So now they've updated and said, hey, money does make a difference up to $500,000 a year. Mm. And that's a pretty big leap from seven hundred dollars to five hundred. dollars yeah. But they said, yeah, there is stuff that becomes available to you just in terms of life experience, security, et cetera, uh, that goes up to 500. They said after 500, it's negligible. The other thing that was really interesting in this study, and I know, I know this is our third segment, so I got to wrap it up a little bit, is that if you were unhappy at making 40 grand a year, and then you got above the 70 threshold and you were still unhappy, it doesn't matter how much that person makes. Wait, say that again. So if, 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 there are people, so they had this group of people that were under 70,000. Okay. And so once, if you were, and they struggled, people were struggling to, to feed their family, pay their bills under 70. But some people were sort of in kind of struggling, but still relatively happy. And some people were struggling and relatively unhappy. They said, once you broke through 70K, and that magic number that was the first study, if you were still very unhappy after you made over 70 K a year, you're probably just an unhappy person. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much that person makes, right? They're always going to be unhappy, uh, but they noticed a huge difference in happiness level from the person that was struggling because of the financial straits. And once those straits were unshackled, their happiness really bloomed. And so they said that that sort of data really had skewed the original study because they didn't factor in the part where it's like, there are going to be people, it doesn't matter if they make $7 or $70 million a year, they're just unhappy people. Yeah. And so he, they sort of teased out those people uh, and said, there's just, there's no amount of money that will make them happy. I can always tell when you've been on a trip though, cause you come back and you're a little different from the, every time, like, like, like even today you just got back from Florida and you're sitting on, on the bench out front. And, uh, I just 
I I pulled up in the driveway and we our studios are here at my house. We record here. And uh yeah, I can just tell that it, and you have to have money to do that. You have to have money to get in a plane, fly to Florida, see your parents, go diving, do all that stuff. And you just you and I know we'll talk about this probably on the next podcast. You just went to a wedding and you said it's the greatest wedding, maybe one of the best weddings you've ever been to. But that wedding wasn't free. I would. I would. It was not. Yeah. We'll talk about that next episode. And, and think about this. You're. You just in, in episode five twenty two. You told us about these four dogs that you had to fly with on commercial. You see this big movement now for people to fly private as it's getting more affordable because uh, they're booking now private jets in the same way that they book commercial jets. So it'll be interesting to see if next time. When you go to Florida, you'll do that aboard I, a private I don't think jet. I'd ever pay for a private jet. Ah. There's no way. <laughs> hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you want us, just reach out, right? Yeah, Ron at ronanddon.com, or you can just go to the website, ronanddon.com, fill out one of our forms there. You can download a buyer's playbook or a seller's playbook, and let's get the ball rolling. If you've been wanting to get into real estate, uh, I would love to get some new buyers yeah. right now. You can still find some opportunities right now if you've been thinking about buying. And, and and getting your ducks in a row, let's get it going. Oh, I right see opportunities now. everywhere, and I will say when they when they went back and they interviewed these older people, and and you have to understand, some of these people bought real estate in the seventies when my mom was selling real estate, and interest rates were like sixteen percent. Nobody said, "Hey, when I was twenty two, I got this really killer interest rate." No one said that. No one even probably knew what their interest rate was, but they did say, "I bought a piece of real estate." I bought a piece of real estate. I bought a piece of. And even if you're beginning to fill out your kids' trust and all that, think about the leverage that they have. If you're leaving them money twenty years from now, and you're dead and in the box, and you know you don't need that money, why wouldn't you give that money to them now so that they can leverage that money now uh, to go out and buy a little happiness? Maybe go on a trip with you and maybe buy a piece of real estate. If you need us, just reach out. We'll sit down with you virtually, and then we'll do it uh, uh, collectively. Everything is at ronandonsitdown.com, ronandonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, head up, shoulders back. Make sure you listen to episode 524 that's coming up because I think it's going to be one of my favorite episodes ever. And uh, we're going to be talking about an Oscar-nominated film that talks about friendships that fall apart the film is called i just don't like you anymore also what are tourists uh why are they stopping in a tiny town in alabama to take pictures with the mayor and why does the new coach of the denver Broncos, sean payton that is going to be russell wilson's new coach why does he have an old dilapidated car with its mirrors ripped off sitting out in the parking lot of broncos stadium We'll talk about that straight ahead on episode 524. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Keep your head up, shoulders back. Oh, they! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs> 